passage read today is taken from 2nd Timothy the first chapter verses 8 through 13 that's page 995 in your pew Bibles 2nd Timothy 1 8 through 13 do not be ashamed then to testify to our Lord or to me his prisoner but take your share of suffering for the gospel and the power of God, who saved us and called us with his holy calling, not in virtue of our own works, but in virtue of his purpose, of his purpose and the grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus ages ago. And now be manifest through the appearance of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I am was appointed as a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, and therefore I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am sure that he is able to guard unto that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith. It's good to see you this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're especially glad that you've come our way. Thank you for being a part of our assembly, worshiping God together with us this morning. Last week, I was out of town. I was with David Dunn and Daniel Mata in Mexico. About three decades ago, the Katy congregation began supporting missionaries in Mexico. Men who were trained as gospel preachers are, are supported by the church here. We currently have eight such men that we are supporting full-time to do the work of an evangelist in Mexico. I got to be with four of them, uh, David and Daniel and I did last weekend, and it was a tremendous blessing. This is my short report. Some of the things I observed, I observed and I continue to observe and be amazed by the men that we work with. They are men of faith, they are men of conviction, they are men who truly love the Lord, love the Bible, and love the people of God. On more than one occasion, I have seen our missionaries shed tears because of difficult issues and because of their concern for souls. They are men who are truly dedicated to the work that they're doing, and we need to pray for them. A second thing I observed, when you go and visit those congregations in Mexico, you will be blown away as a proportion by the number of younger people in the congregations. I'm talking about ages 30 and lower. There are a tremendous number of young people and young adults in the congregations that our missionaries are working with. And that's a good sign for the future and we need to pray for those younger people. We need to pray for those that are older as well. But with continued sound teaching, with continued dedication, continued prayer and perseverance, the future in Mexico is bright in those congregations. Third thing I observed, I observed that there is a great spirit of love and unity and cooperation among the churches that we work with in Mexico. 
they get together, they love each other, the brethren know one another. Every once in a while, they'll plan an event together where maybe 10 or 12 congregations from a, very, from a region will get together and on a Sunday morning, we'll have a worship service together so that they can have a spirit of love and unity and fellowship. And that's a rare thing anywhere in the world, but it's wonderful to see. And our brethren there are involved and invested in each other's lives. And it's a great thing to see. We need to pray for the work that's going on in Mexico. As I said, for three decades, we've been involved with these men. We've been involved with their work. Let's not let this work be out of sight and out of mind. Every week, they are in our bulletin. Their names are in our bulletin. One of the best things that you could do personally is to week by week go through those names one by one and pray about those men and pray about the works that they're doing and pray about the good things that they're bringing forth for the sake of the Lord and for the sake of his gospel. Thank you so much for your part in that work. Thank you so much for allowing me and especially the elders, allowing me the time to go and to visit with our missionaries. I believe that there are a lot of wonderful things happening and we need to continue to support that good work. If you haven't already got your Bibles open to 2 Timothy, please do so, 2 Timothy chapter one. It is the last letter from Paul. In 2 Timothy chapter four, verses six through eight, he says, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith, he's about to die and he knows it. What does he want left in the mind of Timothy, his young protege, his young brother in the gospel? The thing that Paul wants to bring to Timothy's mind more than anything else is that the gospel is important. The priority of the gospel. As you look at 2 Timothy, each one of the four chapters has something to say about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, chapter 1 deals with holding on to the gospel. Don't let it go, Timothy. Follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, suffer for the gospel. Don't just hold on to the gospel. Don't just hold on to the message, but make sure that you're holding on to it even when other people try to rest your grip, even when other people try to push you away from that which God has delivered. You endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, suffer for the gospel. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, Timothy, make sure that you continue in the gospel. Hold on to it, suffer for it, continue in it. 2 Timothy 3 verses 15 through 17. Sometimes we need to remind each other that the things that we've heard, the things that we know to be true, the things that we've already learned, we need to continue in those things. Don't just say, well, I obeyed God in some past time, in some past event, but what am I doing in his service today? It's a question worth thinking about. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul commands Timothy to preach the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word. Preach it when they like it, preach it when they don't like it. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all patience and teaching or doctrine, he says. The gospel needs to be proclaimed, it needs to be heralded, it needs to be preached. Does your life manifest that you are concerned about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does it manifest that the gospel is precious to you? That it's something that you're holding on to and that you're continuing in and that you want to make sure that the gospel is proclaimed, that it's preached? Is that seen in the way that you're living today? 
Notice with me, if you would, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, an interesting phrase that I want us to key in on this morning. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, the Apostle Paul, in talking about the greatness and the necessity of the gospel, says, follow or hold fast the pattern. The pattern of what, Paul? The pattern of sound words, he says. Follow that pattern. A couple of years ago, when we decided as a congregation that we were going to expand and renovate some of our facilities over here, one of the first things we did was hire an architect. And the reason we hired an architect was because all things are created twice. You don't just haphazardly begin construction without a plan. And so, because all things are created twice, the architect, first of all, in his mind, in his vision, created a blueprint. And then we took that blueprint, approved it, put our stamp of approval on it, and we gave that blueprint to the construction company. And the construction company, for the last year and a half or so, has been, we hope, following the blueprint, following the pattern. And it's the exact same concept that you find here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Paul is saying, there's a blueprint that's been given to you, Timothy. Hold on to that, follow it, continue in it, and notice that the pattern that you're to follow, it is a pattern of sound words, words that are healthy. More about that in this evening's lesson. I want to ask three questions this morning. As we think about this phrase in 2 Timothy 1.13, first question is, what is a pattern? What's the Greek word there for pattern? The Greek word is the Greek word tupos, T-U-P-O-S. It's the word from which we get our English word type, T-Y-P-E. And the word tupos literally means a model or a design or a template to guide a blueprint, if you will. And that word is really fascinating when you look at it in Scripture because that word is used in three ways in the New Testament. The three ways in which the word pattern is used. First of all, it is used to describe a life to be imitated. A life to be imitated. If you have your Bibles, open with me to a couple of passages. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. The Apostle Paul went everywhere teaching and preaching the Word. But amazingly and interestingly, as part of his ministry, he also lived what he preached. He taught people what the pattern was all about. He taught people what the Bible says, and then he lived it so that Paul could say to his brethren, follow me, do what I do. In Philippians 3 verse 17, Paul says, brethren, brethren, Join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us, talking about Paul, as a tupos, as a pattern. In other words, Paul's saying, I've lived among you, you've seen my manner, you've seen my attitudes, you've seen my behavior, follow me, do what I've done. Live the way I've been living among you. That's the gospel path. That's the path that pleases Jesus Christ. Follow my life. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and look at verse 12. Timothy was a younger man. A lot of times that becomes a problem, especially when we're trying to have an influence on those who are older. And so Paul tells Timothy as a younger man, let no one despise your youth, 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, but be a tupos, an example, a pattern, 
to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and in purity. Paul says to this young man, Timothy, make sure as a minister of the gospel that your life is one worth following, Timothy. Don't just tell people the truth, you live the truth and you show them what kind of life that Christ would have us to live. It's a challenge. But sometimes that word pattern has to do with a life to be imitated. The second way it's used in scripture in the New Testament is to describe a building or an edifice to be constructed. A building or an edifice to be constructed. Just like with our facilities over here, there was a blueprint and then those who are doing the construction follow the blueprint exactly. Turn over in your Bibles to Acts chapter seven and look at verse 44. Acts chapter seven and verse 44. You know, it's interesting that sometimes I'll hear our own brethren objecting to this idea that there is a pattern in scripture. They're objecting to the idea that there's any kind of blueprint that God wants us to follow when it comes to things like how the church is to be organized or how we're to worship God. People object to that nowadays. But when you read scripture, you'll find this word throughout the New Testament. We've got to do something with it. Are we going to listen to what the scriptures are teaching us? In Acts chapter 7, verse 44, Stephen is preaching about Moses. And here's what he says about Moses when he built the tabernacle. You remember the tabernacle in the wilderness in the Old Testament? It was a tent. God said, I want you to make this tent for me. And he didn't leave it to Moses' discretion how he was going to build that tent. God gave him very, very detailed and specific instructions. And so Timothy, uh, uh, Stephen says this in Acts chapter 7, verse 44. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as God appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern, the tupas that he had seen. Moses, I'm going to show you my blueprint for the tabernacle. And Moses, I want you and the Israelites to build that tabernacle exactly the way that I have shown you. The word pattern. Turn over in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8 and look at verse 5. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5. This is an important concept scripturally. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5, the Hebrews writer says this, the things in the old covenant, they served as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. And here again is Moses. He was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle because God said, now listen to the words of God to Moses here. See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Moses, when you build that tabernacle, when you build that edifice, make sure that you do it exactly the way I've given you the blueprint to do. Make sure that you do it the way that I've revealed. God's concerned about that. Now, the third way that the word pattern, tupas, is used in the New Testament. It's used to describe a life to be imitated. It's used to describe a edifice like the tabernacle to be constructed. Third, it's used to, to describe doctrine to be obeyed, teaching. Teaching that must be obeyed. Open your Bibles to Romans 6, look at verses 17 and 18. Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. And listen to what scripture has to say. Paul is writing to Christians who have obeyed the gospel already. So Paul is writing as if this were a past event, something that they did in the past. And here's what he says in Romans 6, beginning in verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin before you became Christians, 
yet you obeyed from the heart that tupas, that form, that pattern, that blueprint of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So here in Romans 6 verse 17, the Bible is saying that there is a pattern of doctrine that God wants people to obey. There is teaching that he has revealed and we are not to tamper with it. We are not to twist it. We are not to ignore it. We are to listen to what the Bible teaches, accept it in our hearts, agree with it, and do what it says. It's a pattern. It is a blueprint that God desires all people to follow. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Paul is reminding this young man, Timothy, that this is essential for his ministry. He says, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Timothy, there is a blueprint of sound words, healthy teachings. You hold on to those things. You obey those things. You teach others those things. We need to think about scripturally, biblically, how this word pattern is used. Second question this morning, what does a pattern do? It's a curious thing to think about if you have a blueprint, if you have a design, if you have a recipe to build, to, uh, to cook something, what does that do? Four things to con contemplate this morning. What does a pattern do? Number one, when we think about a pattern, it limits what must and what must not be included. It limits what must and must not be included. You think about it. We didn't want a water slide as part of our reconstruction over there. So guess what? It wasn't in the pattern. It wasn't in the blueprint. And thankfully, that has not been included in the construction. It was limited, wasn't it? It limits what is included. We did want walls in certain places. We did want plumbing in certain places. We did want air conditioning in certain places. And so those things were included. And so it is, brothers and sisters and friends, with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. What should we teach? What should we say? What should we include in our teaching? We should include the things that God has spoken, Acts 20, verse 27. But what should we exclude from our teaching? What should we exclude from our practice? The things that God has not authorized, the things that God has not spoken. We are not to add to nor take away from the words that God has revealed. Deuteronomy chapter four and verse two. A pattern shows us what to include, what to emphasize, what to exclude, what to leave out. Secondly, what does a pattern do? A pattern is essential to reproducing an original. In Luke chapter eight, verse 11, Jesus called the word of God a seed. A seed. Whatever kind of seed that you possess, you can take that seed and you can plant it and it will always reproduce the exact same type of plant that it came from. A pattern is like that. A pattern is essential to reproducing an original. So if somebody designs a beautiful garment, a dress or a jacket, and they take that jacket or they take that dress and they produce a pattern, you could take that pattern and you could reproduce on a mass scale if you really wanted to. More jackets exactly like that one. More dresses exactly like that one. A pattern is essential to reproducing an original. You know what I believe? 
I believe that New Testament Christians can exist in this world today precisely because the gospel is a pattern. Because the gospel, when it is planted in people's hearts, when it's planted in people's minds, when you listen to it and you agree with it and you obey it, it will produce in you the exact same thing it produced in people 2,000 years ago. It will produce a New Testament Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what a pattern does. It reproduces over and over and over the exact same thing. And that's why we preach the gospel and that's why we emphasize it. That's why we must continue in and hold fast to the pattern of sound words because that's the only way that disciples are produced. The seed is a word of God. Third, a pattern leads to a unique product with clear identifying marks. A unique product with clear identifying marks. You know, Jesus often asked, what do you more than others? What's different about you? You love your friends? Well, the Gentiles do that. You love your family? Everybody loves their family. What do you more than others? Jesus said things like this. He said, love your enemies. Pray for them. Do good to them. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Be righteous from your heart. Mourn over sin. Those things make a disciple different, make a disciple distinctive. A pattern will reproduce a unique product with clear identifying marks in a world that is full of muddled and muddied religion. When we obey and emphasize the gospel in all of its purity, in all of its fullness, the gospel will produce in people's hearts, including ours, something that is distinctive, something that is unique. And we should not be at all ashamed of the uniqueness and the distinctiveness of discipleship in Jesus Christ. It's a matter of a pattern being followed. Fourth, what does a pattern do? A pattern is practical. Ladies go down to Joanne's Fabrics and they, they purchase a, 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 a pattern for a dress they wanna make or something like that. Or you go and you find a recipe for some kind of dish that you wanna cook for maybe the holidays. And that pattern gives you something to do. That recipe gives you something to do. It gives you some procedures to follow. It gives you some things to start with and it gives you a sequence and an order. Patterns do that. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Patterns are useful, they are necessary to obedience to Jesus Christ. And I don't say that just because it's my idea, I say it because it's what the scriptures teach. 2 Timothy 1.13, follow the pattern of sound words. Third, characteristics of the gospel pattern. I'm just gonna stay in 2 Timothy for this one. If we're following the gospel pattern, what are some things that are gonna be characteristic of us and of our teaching? Number one, if we are following the gospel pattern, our teaching, our emphasis, our lives will be Christ-centered. 2 Timothy 2 verse 8, Paul writes to Timothy and he says this, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. The gospel is all about Jesus and what he's done for us and that has got to be at the center of what we're all about too. We need to be Christ-centered and gospel-oriented as the people of God here at Katy. Second, 
it is biblical. If we are just preaching ideas and preferences, if we are taking our opinions and elevating them to the status of Scripture, we are not being faithful to the New Testament pattern. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 15, Paul says, continue in the Scriptures, the things that have been written. Those constitute a blueprint, a pattern to be followed. Be careful about adding to the Word of God. Be careful about leaving out things from the Word of God. Let's emphasize the whole counsel of God's Word. The gospel that we preach is historical. We believe, brothers and sisters, that these things we talk about, these really happened. Jesus really came to this world, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. He really appeared and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. We really believe that he did those miracles that he claims to have done. The Bible claims he did. It's historical. It's real. He genuinely walked this earth and he genuinely suffered and died on a cross so that we might be redeemed. It's historical. The gospel pattern, it's doctrinal. It is complete and replete with doctrines, teachings about everything that relates to our lives. It deals with things like how we are justified. It deals with things like what's going to happen after we die. It deals with things like where are we going to spend eternity. It deals with things like how should I relate to other people who are believers? How should I relate to people who are not believers? The gospel pattern is doctrinal. It is full of teaching. Preach the word with all patience and doctrine. 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. The gospel pattern, number five, is personal. It's not just what should the church do? How should the church respond? The gospel pattern, it's about genuine faith in my heart and in yours. It's about people sincerely listening to and obeying the things that are taught by God. The gospel pattern has application to your life and to mine. And we need to make it personal. It's not just about what everybody else should do and what everybody else should believe. What do I believe? How should I live? That's the pattern. And then finally, the gospel pattern is practical. The Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished for every good work. Paul wanted Timothy to preach the Bible. He wanted Timothy to emphasize the Bible. He wanted Timothy to show the pattern of the Bible so that people could believe what the Bible teaches, they could know what they needed to do to be saved, and they could be disciples of Jesus Christ just as others were doing in the first century. And we believe as people right here today that because the New Testament contains patterns for things like what must I do to be saved, how should the church worship? What, what does a holy life look like? Because the New Testament shows those things, we believe that if we will do right now today what we see people in the New Testament doing 2,000 years ago, we will be right now today what they were. You know what they were? They were Christians. They were disciples of Jesus Christ. They were the church of Jesus Christ. We believe that we can plant the same seed and have the same results today. Hold on to the pattern of sound words. Follow the pattern of sound words. 
It's God's plan. It's God's design. It's God's will for your life and mine. If you need to respond to the gospel this morning, you want to believe and repent and be baptized so that you might have forgiveness of your sins, or if you need to respond and ask for prayers, whatever your need is, once you come all together, we stand and while we sing.